Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Uh, the issue of sustainability when it comes to our hotels and our resort properties that we all visit is becoming increasingly important in recent years as we all strive to be more eco-conscious and and conscious of the environment around us. One designer who has done amazing work in this uh, regard is Bill Bensley, a designer based in Bangkok, uh, who has done many very interesting projects uh, over the years, including Shintamani Wild, uh, which is in South Cardamom Wilderness in Cambodia, uh, the Four Seasons in Koh Samui, the Capella Ubud in Bali and Intercontinental in Da Nang. And uh, Bill joins us on the phone right now from Bangkok. Bill, welcome to Weekend Mornings. Great to have you with us. Hey, thank you, Glenn. And, uh, Good morning, Singapore. <laughs> well, I know you get here often, uh, and uh, you're you're no you're no stranger to to here. In fact, I think you were just here last year uh, at one of the uh, uh, awards, uh, and you you got a big award in October, I believe it was, wasn't it? The Leader in Sustainability Award here in Singapore. That's right. Yeah, very honored to to have that. In fact, in 1984, I used to live there for uh, for three wonderful years. Wow. Well, as you know, between 84 and 1987, and now there have been a few changes in town around here. <laughs> <laughs> I lived on Nassim Road in a black and white for $200 a month. Well, wouldn't we love to have those uh, that pricing now? <laughs> Good for you. Well, Bill, it's great to have you on. And, and I know sustainability is a real important uh, issue to you. And, and these days with so many hotel chains building new hotels and, and building new properties. Now, of course, a lot of that has been halted at this particular moment in time, but it'll resume again at some point. Tell us about your philosophy when it comes to building sustainable uh, places where people can stay. Well, as you might know, I have a design practice where we practice architecture, interior design, landscape architecture. But I was brought up, I was trained as a landscape architect. So um, I've learned sustainable practices long before the word sustainability was um, uh, popular to use, uh, before it was overused, in fact. Um, So as I gradually worked into interiors and architecture, sustainability and, and practices of protecting Mother Earth became that a very much um, uh, a natural way to take my, my studio. So that's, and, and, and because of the need for it, we've become uh, a lot more popular than I ever expected we would. So we're, we get projects all over the world now, which is wonderful. But uh, what, one thing that struck me very seriously last, just last December, just a couple of a months ago, is that, I don't know if you know this, Glenn, but every single architect in the world, when we start a new project, a new hotel project, we get a, a thing called um, uh, project standards from every single, every single uh, big company like Hyatt or, or Four Seasons, et cetera. They'll give us these building standards in, in which to work from. And sometimes they're 400, 500 pages long. Wow. And, yeah, uh, and you have to memorize, you not memorize, but you have to, you have to follow what they say in these, in these guidelines to build. And uh, over the years, I've been practicing now for 37 years. Over the years, I've, I've uh, brought, I've collected a, a lot of them. And I went back through every single one of them. And you know what I found, Glenn? What's that? That nothing, none of them, 
or, or very few of them anyways, had had anything to do with sustainability. They had nothing to do with practicing, you know, common sense practices like, you know, when you build a hotel, let's try to get light from two sides so you don't have to walk into the hotel room and put the light in on the bathroom. Right. I mean, it's things like cross-ventilation. 99% of the, the Marriott's in the world, except for mine, are built without cross-ventilation with light from one side of a hotel room. It's funny, we, we don't think about that when we enter a hotel room, but, but that's it's something that can make a lot of difference in the future just by energy saving. Et cetera, et cetera. So I thought to myself, well, shit. I, I'm sorry, you can't say that. Public radio, right? um, I thought to myself, well, shoot. Um, I, I, let's put together a, a white paper. And, and, and I'm, I've sent it to all my friends and all of the big hotel companies. And they are gradually putting in, you know, Six Sense has adopted it. And they're putting in my white paper uh on into their what we call building standards as a as a document of their own that's why i call it a white paper and it's 22 pages of just really basic ideas it says it says hey architect think about doing this or hey owner think about buying a water bottling plant before you you know before you you finish your hotel or or hey uh operator think about operating this way instead just really basic language, and then so it's it's gaining momentum terrifically. So I'm I'm happy. I'm pleased with that. Uh, we're speaking with Bill Bensley, the designer of uh, sustainable properties, hotels, and resorts, uh, based in Bangkok. And and Bill, this uh, your I think you called it the Sensible Sustainable Solutions White Paper. And uh, as you just mentioned, it's got some 20 suggestions for hotel designers, owners, operators. Um, there are three core kind of pillars to this. One is building with purpose, another is thinking locally, acting sustainably. The third is build sensibly. Um, how, how much uptake is, is happening with that right now? With the, you know, the rush to build a lot of properties over the years recently, it seems like things are just being thrown up very quickly. Um, is, there a, is there a sense that, that when people are designing and building these things, they're actually starting to pay attention to these things, or is that not widely adopted yet? It's not widely adopted yet, 100%. That's, that's why I, I, and like I said, 99% of the Marriott's, and they told me that themselves, that the Marriott's that are going up have nothing to do with sustainability or very little to do. You know, by saying, oh, well, we don't do straws anymore, we don't do plastics anymore, we don't, you know, we don't do plastic bottles, that's, that's the tip of the iceberg, and that's what I call greenwashing. And I think that, especially in Singapore, greenwashing should be a five-year jail sentence. Mm. What, do, what do we have to do to go past that? Uh, you know, like recycling water, using brown water. Uh, you know, what are, the, what are the big things that really matter? Um, of course, you know, we all care about straws and we all care about all of that other stuff. But what are the big things from a design standpoint? Is, are, there, are there a big kind of a big three, a top three that, that every designer should have to incorporate? Well, um, for example, everything in my paper, I do myself. Okay, so I... I have an office in, in Bangkok and in Bali, but we're basically off the grid. Um, the sun provides us in one day enough energy that we can use, that we need for a thousand days in one day. Um, so it's a matter of, 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 of putting your, even if you have a little place, a big place or a, a resort or whatever, just start to use the sun. Um, also to use, to, to think about shading. 
sun shading, how not to let something overheat. There's so many of, especially the buildings in Singapore, that are just glass boxes. And they, you know, without energy, they're, you know, they're cooking places. They're totally the wrong thing to do in the tropics. So I am a proponent of cross-ventilation. I'm a proponent of of every single room to have light from four sides. And all of this can, can happen. And Boha is one of your best architects there in Singapore. And they're beginning to understand, you know, that a, a building, a green building can be, you know, the way of the future. And I totally agree with them. And hats off to them. Yeah, when you look at, um, Bill, when you look at some of the new technology that's coming out, of course, in in the last couple of years, we've seen now this uh, film that goes on the outside of windows uh, that collects uh, photovoltaic uh, energy, uh, for example. So you could have a skyscraper now that basically is one big uh, uh, photovoltaic cell, if you will. But uh, things like that, um, the the ability to collect and then filter water, especially in the tropics where we live, where we get so much rain. Are these, where does technology come into, or new technology, come into your thinking uh, when you think about your designs? I think one of the main things that is going to make a difference in, in, in building hotels is being able to constrain your choice of materials to a locality. I, and I'm, I'm always trying to, if I'm building something in Vietnam, I want everything to be built and made in Vietnam. For example, you know, use the use the materials that people have been using there for a long time. Don't import glass and put voltaic cells on it from the outside. Uh, don't do a sky tri- skyscraper and put voltaic cells on it and say it's a green building because it's not. It's still it's still a building that doesn't breathe. It has dark areas within it, etc. So I, I think I think we need to take a step backwards and and go back to the fundamentals of what what we knew before about living in the tropics and that's cross ventilation and, and, and living without necessarily electricity because it's going to get more and more expensive. We can't afford to, to, uh, to burn fossil fuels anymore. We've got to go to alternative, uh, uh, so how do we do that, though, Bill? And talk to Bill Bensley, a designer uh, based out of Bangkok. How do we do that in a world where, you know, people still need to go to work and people still need to, uh, you know, turn on lights at night when they have work to do? And, uh, and of course, you know, when they want to have air conditioning because it's a little more comfortable for them, something, you know, whatever, whatever it is. How do we start to incorporate these things in a way that's environmentally sustainable, but also meets the needs of our, let let me put it this way, our modern society, if that's not too overstating it. (laughs) Well, you know, that's what, that's what my white paper addresses is that, is that there's 20 different simple suggestions on how to build and how to maintain and how to, to repurpose uh, hospitality. That's what I specialize in. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a combination of many little things that make up a a great, will make up a greater change. Um, uh, For example, I could just mention a a bottling plant. You know, I think it should be mandatory that all new hotels have their own bottling plant, where they bottle the water, et cetera. I can't, you know, I can't expect anyone not to go to work or not to turn on the lights or not to turn on the air conditioning, et cetera. But in the, at least in the hospitality uh, sector, uh, I have a voice in the way, because I've been doing it such a long time, I have a voice in the way that hopefully 
hotels will set an example of homes and residential to, to follow. That's my hope. It's as simple as that. Bill, what, uh, what do you think the impact of COVID-19 is, is? Well, first of all, what's, what impact is it having on you and your business right now? But what impact do you think it will have on the broader uh, business of build, designing and building uh, luxury properties and, and properties across Asia? Uh, most everybody believes this is going to go on for probably at least a year in some way, shape, or form, uh, possibly more. What, what kind of impact are you expecting? Uh, well, I don't know if you know this, Glenn, but I own four hotels in Cambodia. And a big, and one of them is Shintamani Wild, which is in the Cardamom National Forest. I bought a piece of land about as big as the as Central Park. And that, uh, I bought it because it was under a great threat of one being mined and one being overlogged and also being poached uh, to the point of animal extinction. Uh, since the 10 years that I've owned it, we've been able to bring animals back. We've seen clouded leopard on the, on our property. Now we've seen terrapin, et cetera. So people are coming back. Then that's because I have a tiny little camp there, 15, 15 tents. Uh, and I also employ part of 115, um, 115 person private army called wildlife Alliance. And then they keep the poachers and the loggers at bay. Um, COVID uh, now is basically wiped out almost all of our guests um, that have booked this year, despite it being, you know, Forbes, you know, best hotel in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm, I'm going to pay for this. The, the continued, um, the policing of the out of of the Cardamom National Forest out of my own pocket. I you know until the tourism comes back and because that the, uh, how to say a, a portion of our of each of our guest room uh, income goes towards the policing. But so if that doesn't happen, I'm going to pay for it out of my pocket and, and keep the poachers at bay. Um, so COVID is then a a result, as you know, of, of, of animals that have uh, given off the coronavirus, that have themselves and get, transferred that to humans. And, and it's by that illegal wildlife trade that I'm trying to stop firsthand that is also going from the Cardamom National Forest into China, into Vietnam, onto the tables of the rich. And I have a new project. I think I told you about it. I have a new project, which we're calling uh, World Wild. And that basically is a human zoo. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, in that that human zoo is a – I have a piece of property, a huge piece of property in southern China. And I'm uh, dedicating 5% of the land uh, to, to people and where we have something like 2,500 hotel rooms coming up. Hilton's part of it. Conrad is. Shintamani Wild will be there, the Four Seasons. Um, many of the uh, Waldorf Astoria, they, everyone has a place along the periphery amongst the zoo. In the middle of, the, of this big piece of land, we have 95% of the land, which is huge, devoted towards animals that have been mistreated in the Chinese zoos to roam free. Good mm. idea. Fantastic. That sounds interesting. And I know that uh, CNN Travel did a, a recent uh, story on this on the 13th of March. And, and the pictures that I'm seeing online 
on the CNN site are just amazing of, of the, some of the designs Thank that you're you. planning. Uh, and it, it's almost like when we think about some of the zoos, like the Singapore Zoo, where there are there are no fences, but there are high walls to keep the animals, you know, from in, intermingling with the humans. That seems to be what your design looks like for many of these hotels, right? Uh, natural barriers, uh, in a sense, so that, you know, we humans will be there and we will be actually the zoo that the animals are looking at. Right, exactly. That's a role reversal. Um, you know, we probably have a uh, hundred times the land of the Singapore Zoo. Wow! So we don't, we don't, and and one of my prime um, initiatives was not to have any predators, so that uh, most of the animals are grazing, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. they, and while we do have areas that are uh, Australian. Um, Asian and Asian and African animals, they're divided by water bodies Mm -hmm. uh, so that they will be able to keep them separate. But there's also a train that that runs right throughout uh, the property, around the periphery of the property and stops at seven different places. And we are creating these theaters for um, the ability of of, of 100,000 people per day. So we're able to influence millions of Chinese in that perhaps wildlife is not the thing that needs to go onto your or onto your onto your dinner tables. Perhaps that's the thing of the past. And while it's now now illegal as of this year, and I have 100% backing by the, the Communist Party of China because they've seen everything that we're doing. They're 100% behind it. There's still a a large uh, too large of a population in China that still believe in traditional medicines, which includes wildlife. Yeah, sure. So that, so that this project in China affects me directly uh, with my project in, in Cambodia. So that was the incentive to come up with something that influences a large amount of people in China. Now, does, it make, does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Now, is it actually going to be called the Human Zoo? Is that the name of the project? No, no, no. No, no, no. We call World Wild. Worldwide, and and when when would you think that might actually be finished enough that people will be able to go and stay there and, and experience this amazing concept? Yeah, I think we're you know it's a huge huge development. Um, I think we are two and a half to three and a half years away. Yep. So it's going to take a while, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I've gone through working drawings now, so that that's. Uh, uh, but it, it takes a long time to build these, and these are big hotels. Mm. And I don't know if you, you know, as you said at the beginning of the program, um, that my hotels are very, very detailed, mm. and they're very layered with information. And that I, even though we're doing a large amount of hotel rooms, I want it to be to feel very boutique-ish, if that's a word. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, Bill Bensley, designer, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you and certainly hope that you'll come in and we'll be able to see you in person. Well, thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate having you on uh, Weekend Mornings. And keep up the good thanks. work. Thanks, thanks Bob. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.